All right, good morning. So good to be here together this morning. Looking forward to uh, just getting to know some of you a little bit more. Uh, I see a lot of new faces this morning, and we just want to extend a special welcome to you if you're new here this morning. We're honored that you chose to come and to worship with us this morning. Uh, We hope if you're looking for a church home, that you might find one here, that this might be a place where where God leads you. But if for some reason uh, it's not here, then we would just encourage you to continue to check out some of the great churches that are here in town that honor Jesus, that that claim him king. And uh, there are several that that are here. We are blessed as a community to have a number of great houses of worship. So again, we hope you might find a, a home here. But if not, it's our heart that you would find a church home and that you would connect there and you would plug in and you would serve there. So first thing I want to start with is our new vision statement. So we have, for a long time, it wasn't that we were without a vision statement, but we were no-grow show, um, which uh, we, we decided we, we've been working at and working with a number of different kind of vision statements as we decided that we wanted to kind of formulate and, and bring in our vision statement. So our vision statement... Um, making disciples of Jesus for God's glory and our shared joy. So as a board, we've been, as the elder board, we've been reading a a book called Simple Church. And um, Matthew 28, 18, tells us this. It says, And Jesus came and said to them, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all the nations." baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you, and behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. So, so discipleship is really the focus of where we're going. See, we really don't need a mission statement because the mission statement for the church has been given by Jesus right here, Matthew 28. This is our mission. Our mission is to go into all of the earth and to make disciples um, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. It, it, as we have the whole idea of, of, of making a disciple, to be a disciple is to be a disciplined one. And, and it means to just know and to understand the tenets of the faith. It means to practice the tenets of the faith. And it means to be a people who go out and are sharing the hope that we have in Jesus. So this is our, this is our simple vision statement here, we want to make disciples. We want to be a discipling body of believers. That means that we are actively sharing the gospel and that we are actively engaged in discipleship relationships. Now, if you've not been involved in a discipleship relationship, we really need to to talk about that. We need to talk about that as a church because in in reality, um, basically um, about 28% of Christians um, are actively involved in a discipleship. Um, and, and, and there's a why not. Why, why aren't people actively engaged in discipleship? Well, part of that falls back on the church, but part of it falls on us as individuals as well. See, the church does have a function, and the church does have a role in this. And the, 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 the function of the church is to equip the body of believers to fulfill the ministry that is before us. And so we want to be an equipping church. We want to be helping to foster and facilitate and support and come beside you. But at the end of the day, in reality, you are responsible for 
your spiritual well-being and your spiritual growth. Nobody can actually do that for you. And, and so, but we want to be equipping people. Um, right now, the, the stats by Barna, for whatever all those stats are worth, 95% of Christians in the world will never lead anyone to Christ, they say. 95% of believers will never, in their lifetime, lead one person to Jesus. There's a real disconnect between what we believe and what we're doing as a church and, and as the church, the, the greater church, the global church. So why not? Why, why isn't this happening? Well, 37% of them don't feel qualified or equipped. So that, again, is the church's job. The church needs to be equipping and helping you all to be qualified and equipped to do discipleship. 24% said, hey, nobody ever suggested it. And then 22% never even thought about it, kind of a thing. What a, again, a lot of this falls back onto the church, that we need to be having these conversations. We need to be talking about this, and we need to be understanding that, that in, in reality, Christians are to be in a discipleship relationship. Top reasons that they're not in discipleship relationships, 38% just haven't thought about it. 35% haven't found someone, and 16% say they don't know how to begin. Now, a discipleship relationship is simply this. You don't have to be a theologian. You don't have to have it all figured out. Trust me, believe me, if you know me, you know I don't have it all figured out, right? I'm not the guy up here who's a spiritual thoroughbred who's running 13 links out in front of everybody else, just, right, onto, no, I'm, I'm in the middle of my journey, just like you're in the middle of your journey, and I'm struggling, and I'm, I'm working it out, but the way that we work that out is in relationship to others. You see, God is a relational God, and he's calling his church to be relational as well, you see, this is why this is church, right? Not picking on anybody, and there are people out there that have great reasons to be on online church, okay? And if you're one of those people that have a great reason to be on online church, great. But if you're just doing it because it's more convenient and you can stay in your pajamas and you don't have to deal with anybody, you are not experiencing church, okay? Because church is not just getting information. Church is the fellowship of the believers. It's the relational component that happens. And that is the glue that holds the church together. You know, you can go online and you're going to hear way better speakers than me, right? It's easy to do. You can go and you can listen to the best guys, the guys who are spit and polished, the guys who spend all of their time preparing a message for an online service. But here's the reality. If you end up in the hospital or tragedy, um, besets you in your life in some capacity or some manner, those guys aren't showing up, okay? They're not going to be there, and the church will. So there's a, there, God has called the church together, and the church represents incredible diversity brought into unity under the cross with a unified mes- mission and message that's sending us out into the world to give hope. See, again, the greatest, uh, the greatest mission of the church is to worship is for us to come together and do just what we did, to, to, to declare together our worship and our praise and declare the goodness and the glory of who God is. But then, you see, the church, it exists. It's one of the only organizations I can think of that exists for those who are not part of it. The church exists for those who aren't in church. 
We, we exist to bring more people in, to make heaven more crowded, if you will, right? right? We, we, we are here to do what? We're here to worship God, and we're here to encourage one another, and we're here to hopefully hear an encouraging message together that equips us, but to do what? To go out and to make disciples, to leave here and to share the hope that we have in Christ with the rest of the world. And I'm just telling you, church, there's a world that is desperately in need of this message. We are the most anxiety-ridden, over-medicated, isolated, unhappy, struggling culture on the face of the earth right now. We're the most prosperous. We've got the most things going for us, but we are lost. The suicide rates are going up all of the time. We, we are in a crisis right here in America, and, and the church has great answers. Everybody wants to be a part of a cause, and I'm just telling this church, we've got the greatest cause that's ever been. We've got the greatest message, and we've got the greatest cause that has ever been. Making disciples of Jesus for God's glory, that's the reason why we're doing this. We do it for God because it's all about God. It's not about us. It's not about us notching our gun belts. It's not about us being some amazing thing or some great people or theologians or anything like that. It's about God's glory. It's all about this great God. It's all about a God who has done everything on our behalf. It's not about us being good. It's about him being good. <clears throat> and so we're called to do this. And then we ended this by saying, not just, it's not just for God's glory, it's also for our shared joy. Because I'm going to hold this, church, that there's nothing that you will find more joy in your life in than fulfilling this great commission, and being a part of it, and going out and beginning to share your faith, and going and seeing someone else grow in a discipleship relationship. There is nothing more rewarding than that. We're always trying to find something and shove something into this place, this God-shaped hole in our hearts that we think will provide for us meaning and purpose and identity. And you see, those things, the things that we tend to chase after will never do it. The world's going to tell you it's about youth and beauty and, 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 and fame and influence and, and big bank accounts and nice cars and big homes and things like that, but those things don't really do it. Those things are fine in the right place, but they do not in and of themselves satisfy us on a deep spiritual level. Nothing will do that like doing the Great Commission. For many of us in here, honestly, trust me, as a pastor, I'm, very, uh, I, I, I'm, I'm always up for Bible study. I, we, we need to grow. We need to learn. We need to continue to do that. But I can tell you what many of you need more than another Bible study is to go out and do what you already know to do. You see, sometimes I think the church, we're like, we're just like sitting on the couch and just eating chips. You know what I mean? We're like, just, oh, just give me more, you know, and just getting fat. When God is calling us to get out there and to do the gospel, to participate in it. So this is our vision statement. And as a vision statement, this brings us, it brings everything that we do into alignment under this vision statement. So as a church, there's some good things out there. As a matter of fact, there is no end to the good things that we as a church could participate in. There's all kinds of good things, but that doesn't mean that we can't do every good thing. As a matter of fact, we want to do the best thing, and sometimes the enemy of the best thing is the good thing, right? So, so we want to do the highest thing, 
And this is what we're going to focus on, and this is where, as we come into this whole idea with home point and the home point pointers and all of that, as we talk about this. So home point is now a new kind of a thing that we're launching. Home, it's about resourcing you. So we have the home point center that is in there, and it's full of brochures. I took a picture of this, so let me, let me see if I can get through. I'm going, to, I'm going to read to you some of the topics that we have here. In our, in our Home Point Center, if you didn't get a chance to look. Single, should you pursue marriage? Hope to marry. Um, preparing for marriage. Engaged, getting ready for marriage. Building a strong marriage. Sexual intimacy, finding fulfillment. Can you talk about that in church? I, I guess you can. Yeah, it's okay. It's okay. Considering children. Preparing for baby, intentional parenting, single parenting, uh, discipline with young children, raising a child with special needs, introducing your child to Christ, your child's schooling options, preparing your child for adolescence, launching young adults, addiction, caring for an aging loved one, blending families, difficult marriage, Finding hope and help, a difficult teen, navigating rebellion, the empty nest, uh, uh, preparing for adoption or foster care, facing infertility, family finances, grieving, living together, uh, taking next steps, married to an unbelieving spouse, prodigal kids. Uh, sexual identity confusion, talking to your child about race, unplanned pregnancy. So, so there's a little bit of something out there for anybody and any situation. And every one of us, if we don't have things actively in our lives, which most likely we do in, in those subjects, we certainly know people that we could help to resource. Um, the, the, the planner, they, they have some thoughts, they have some ideas, they have some scripture inside of them. And then they also have some resources, books and different things like that to help us and, to, and they have things that the church has available as well to help you to walk through those things. Now, as we, as we talk about this home pointers, um, it, it's just to resource you. The other thing that we have to resource you is Right Now Media. If you don't have a Right Now Media account, all we need is your email address, and you say, I would like to have a Right Now Media account, and we will uh, send you a link so that you can set up a, uh, an account with Right Now Media. And what is that? It's kind of like Christian Netflix is what it is. There's thousands of different movies, Bible studies, kids things, content, all of those kinds of things. The church pays a subscription rate to it, and you can have it for free. Um, if you don't have that, it's a great resource. And again, only you can be responsible for your spiritual growth. We can't do that for you. The church cannot do that for you. One of the big problems with church in America today is it's become a consumer church. It's just all about, I'm going to come, I'm going to attend, and, and, and what do you have for me? And, and this is a real disease within the church in America, you see, because the church is meant to be a body that is moving together, each of us bringing different components, different parts, different giftings, different talents, all of those things, combining those things to move through the world um, and into uh, this, this real uh, mission that, that God has for us. You see, you can't just show up at church for an hour or hour and 15 minutes or whatever we usually run and think that, that 
that's going to just be it, that that's going to do it for you. As a matter of fact, we have to take this out of here. This has to begin to fundamentally affect everything about our lives and how we're operating and what we do. Psalm 119.59 says, When I think on my ways, I turn my feet to your testimonies. This is David, and, and in Psalm 119 here, he's just talking about this thing. When I think on my ways... And I want to encourage each one of us to be doing that. When I think on my ways, how I'm doing life and what, I'm in, what I've got going, what I'm struggling with, where I'm at in different areas of my life, I want to contemplate on that. I want to, I want to look at that. I want to allow God into that space and let Him and the Holy Spirit convict me of, of things that maybe I'm doing that, that aren't okay or, or sin or any of those kinds of things. I want to look at the things maybe that are going well and, and, and say, God, you know, could I, could I do these things? But I always turn my feet back to his testimonies, his ways, his commands. Again, like I told you before, when I was, before I was a believer, I would, I would read this book and I would just be like, man, I don't, I don't get it, man. It's just thou shall not, thou shall not, thou shall not. Now I realize that in those thou shall nots, is freedom. Freedom is never doing what we want to do. Freedom is doing the thing that God has called us to do. Everything that God has commanded us and given us to do in these testimonies are for our well-being, and not just your well-being, but the well-being of your family, the well-being of the church, the well-being of the communities that we live in. It makes a difference. God knows how we ought to live, and he gives us clear guidance, and part of discipleship is beginning to understand that, and be really real with that. So, as we get going here, we are going to pass out right now. You're going to get this thing. And it's called my home point plan. And, and, and this is, uh, it, it's just an assessment. It's just a personal assessment for you to take. And we're going to just take a couple of minutes here once these are passed out. And we're just going to look at these. And we are going to, um, we're just going to evaluate and see where we're at. Now, there are, se- there are several different um, aspects to this. Um, one is, was your marriage, and, and where is that? We, we want to be a church that is equipping and growing strong marriages because strong marriages are, are foundationally an incredibly important thing. But it's not just for people who are married. It's faith at home, and, and this, can have a, this has a component, too, for grandparents. Are you, who, who do you have influence over in your life, and are you, how are you doing with the influence that you have with your grandkids? How are you doing with that? It has a, a section for parents, and, and are we being intentional? Are we being purposeful? See, because in reality, we need to have a plan. And it also has a, 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 a section here for single adults. So nobody is left out of this thing. It doesn't matter if you have children, if you're married, if you don't have children. There is a part of this for you to look at that applies to you. So home point, home point is these resources, okay? It's, it's simply just these, uh, these different brochures that you can get a hold of to help resource you. Now, faith path is something that we're starting, and, and if, you, uh, if you are a, a parent, you should have gotten a faith path uh, overview today. Um, the faith path overviews are this. We are convinced, and we know this, that discipleship must happen in the home. It has to happen in the home. It, the, the church cannot do your job for you in this sense. 
in an hour and 15 minutes or two hours or whatever the church gets to have influence over your kids, we cannot completely and totally disciple your kids in, this, in that time frame. Discipleship must ha- uh, happen at home. And you need to have a plan. Proverbs 20:18. plans are established by counsel, by wise guidance, wage war. Now, we're going to talk a little bit more about that in a second, but about the second part of that. But the first part of that is this. You got to have a plan. We've got to have a plan. Without a plan, without a vision, the people perish. Without a plan, we're just probably not going to do anything. If we don't start to be intentional about this, we're probably not going to follow through in this. Again, it has to happen at home, Deuteronomy 6, 6 through 7. And these words that I command you today shall be on your heart. You shall teach them diligently to your children and shall talk of them when you sit in your house and when you walk by the way and when you lie down and when you rise. God is calling parents to disciple your kids. And you as parents have the greatest influence into your kids' lives in this meaning. And I believe fully that it really truly is your job and not the church's job to introduce Christ to your kids and to have spiritual conversations and to begin to open these doors. See, again, as we've entered into being kind of a consumer church culture, what we do is we say, okay, I'm just going to drop the kids off at youth group and you guys deal with my kid, fix my kid, get everything ironed out, and I'll pick them up in an hour. It just can't work that way. It really won't work that way. And, and so God is calling parents and giving parents the, the high privilege to join him in, in helping to lead our kids uh, towards him. So what happens with Faith Path is this, is that every year, uh, especially in the younger years, as it gets older, this goes through 18 years old, when, when, you, when, you're, uh, when your child has a birthday, we are going to be sending out a Faith Path kit that is age-appropriate for your kid to help you to disciple your kid throughout the year. Each kit has a different theme and different ideas and different helps. Now, the other thing that's happening at the Home Point Center when you go check that out is right now there are also date night ideas for marriage. There are uh, conversations with teenagers, how to do this, how to help equip you. One of them I, I was looking at a while back was like, go watch Captain America with your teenager, and here are some questions that you can open up spiritual conversations with. Some of those kinds of ideas and things. But, but parents, you'll be getting one of these um, at each birthday, and it's our hope. See, these are resources, and, and if you just recycle it, that's as far as it's going to go. If you just recycle it when it comes to you, that's as far as it's going. And again, we can't make this happen or make it uh, force you to do it, but we want to encourage you. We want to equip you. We want to come beside you and train you and equip you. And we want to be better as a church about that. So you'll be getting these faith path things. This really needs to happen. You see that, that uh, Proverbs 20, verse 8, it ended this way. It said, by wise counsel, wage war. And I'm going to say this. We're in a war. We're in a war right now. Whether we want to acknowledge that or not, there is a war for the heart of this nation, and for what is good and what is right. And, 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 there, and the enemy has a plan. The enemy has devised a plan. The, the enemy's been working a plan for a long time, and it's evident in the culture and the confusion that's going on within the culture today. See, the world wants to eradicate right now even the idea of the nuclear family. 
And the nuclear family is this. It is basically, it is a, a, a husband, a wife, and their child. That little trinity right there is the most basic component of organized society. And it is the cornerstone, and it is the absolute hub, and it is the structure by which God has intended for society to operate. As a matter of fact, despite what the world wants, that here's the reality, is that kids who are raised in, by two loving parents in their home, their biological parents, they do the best on every single different uh, metric that is out there, socially, emotionally, physically. They do better. And not just do their families do better, but in neighborhoods and communities in which there's a, a strong presence of nuclear families, everybody prospers. Single moms prosper. Um, kids without fathers or without parents or whatever that looks like, everybody prospers. As a matter of fact, in communities where there's a high presence of men involved in their families, the, even the single boys have a higher potential for earnings and doing well in life. It, it, it's across the board. Now, here's what I don't want you to hear. There are great moms and dads and people out there who are doing a fantastic job of raising their kids alone, single moms, single dads. We applaud that, and we, want to, we understand that. We also know that there are great families that are being blended families. We ourselves are a blended family, and we know the difficulties of that and some of the challenges of that, but we also know that it can be done, and it can be done well. Okay, so, so don't hear anything about, we're not, we're not throwing rocks here. But what we do have to do is we have to recognize that this country has fallen away from some of the basics that God has called us to. And I'm telling you that the suffering and the struggle and the confusion that's out there today, 80% of it, and I think I'm being pretty uh, conservative on this, I think 80% of it would disappear if we started fostering strong marriages and strong families again. See, kids do the best. Nobody's going to love your kid like you do. All of this stuff about like it takes, a, it does take a village, don't get me wrong, but that village isn't the government, okay? Amen. And when we start talking about the government starts talking about intervening, that, that's very socialist, communist kind of ideals and stuff like that, to start to get a hold of kids and to start to develop young, at a young age um, ideas about education to begin to say that they know better than the parents do about how to raise kids, that's dangerous territory. Nobody's going to love your kids like you do. Nobody's going to take better care of your kids than you do. And so remember, as parents, this is, this is, uh, this is important. Right now, only 18% of families in America fit that nuclear family dynamic. In 1959, it was 40%. Harvard sociologist Robert Sampson says that the family structure is the strongest predictor of urban violence. You want to go to a place where urban violence is prevalent, you're going to see the breakdown of the family in that community right there. You want to see um, communities that are healthier, you'll see more, uh, more, more, more nuclear families involved there, more, more kids being le uh, raised by loving parents. Married couples, as well as other family structures, are more likely to thrive when they're embedded in strong networks of friends, family, community, and church. Church is community. Church is set up as community. This is what it is. 
And this idea is still the ideal for most. Sometimes I wonder why the world is even thinking about getting married still. You know what I mean? As, as, as bad a results as the world is getting about it, why is it that, that, that we still are drawn? And it's because we're drawn to it. It's because it's, because it's part of the design. And to have this and to have it work out right is still the ideal for most people. We go into this saying, this is what we want, and this is the best. See, COVID interrupted regular church attendance. Barna now considers people who come to church twice a month as regular church committed, committed church attenders. Only 62% of Christians right now attend regularly. And you know what, church, honestly, like you come to church on a weekly basis, on a given week, it, it, it's, it, it may not be life-changing. But you know what it does do? It hits a reset button in your life. It's, it hits a reset button in your life. It, it grounds us. It grounds us in God's Word and, and in community. It reminds us of what's important. It challenges us with, with God's Word and what life is really about and these kinds of things. And we hit a little bit of a reset button every week. And what happens if we, if we quit hitting that reset button? Well, it's real easy for us to get out of habit and out of practice with things, right? I've been trying to go to the gym. You give me two days off and three cookies and I'm out. I'm serious. I'm like, I don't even want to go anymore. <laughs> I have no desire. But when I start hitting the gym and I start hitting it regularly, I start craving it. You know what I mean? I start wanting to go. Church is the same. Our spiritual walk is the same thing. Or, you know, you want to get stronger? Well, you got to lift more weights. This is the reality of how this works. And, and God is calling us into this. In 2014, 4,000 churches opened in America. 3,700 closed. In 2019, 4,500 churches closed and 3,000 opened. We're in a tailspin. The church is in a tailspin. I think there's a lot of churches that need to close, to be honest with you. But social norms are changing. Ideas on gender, gender roles, family structures, sexuality... And many people are distancing themselves from the church because of these issues. There are generational shifts. Gen Z and millennials are less religiously affiliated. They're, they're called the nuns because when they ask, are asked about religion, they say they don't have any affi affiliation. Um, individualism in our country and personal autonomy are kind of big factors. We, we don't want anybody telling us what to do and we want to do what we want to do when we want to do it. Barna says this right now, 70% of the young people that would say and claim to be born-again Christians, when they enter college, they will leave college with no faith. See, we've got to teach the truth. We have to disciple people. We have to become disciplers. We have to teach uh, the truth. We have to expose lies. We have to equip people to refute those lies, and we have to learn how to think because this is about having your mind transformed. Romans 12, 2, be no longer conformed to the patterns of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. See, there's a lot of junk in here. And the culture has, has invaded into the church. And instead of the church discipling the culture, the culture has begun to disciple the church. And we've got to take this back. 
And I'm passionate about this. I'm passionate about the idea that we have to, we have to begin to take culture back again. We have to proclaim what is good and what God has called people to. And we have to, we have to begin to be brave and to be not afraid to be canceled or, or, or worry about that. You see, we've got to go speak the truth. How? In love. We don't come against the world. Jesus came for the world. The church needs to learn how to come for the world. We've done a great job of coming against everything, right? But that's not what we're about. We're not coming against people. We're not coming against them. We're coming for them. The nuns, the the religiously unaffiliated, have grown by 30 million people in the last decade. And most people, Christians and non-Christians, are really concerned right now for their kids' spiritual well-being. That's both Christians and non-Christians. And you know what? Most teenagers have a favorable outlook of the person of Jesus. They do. They think he's kind of a cool dude. They probably don't like Christians, but I get it. How about some good news? Younger people are actually re-engaging with church. That's, uh, it's up from 21% to 39%. The divorce rate right now is down since it's high in 1980. It's down 30%. Kids living within, in intact families has grown since 2014. See, we have to model our faith. We have to walk it out. Paul said this. He said in 1 Corinthians, he said, be imitators of me as I am of Christ. Follow me as I follow Christ. Can that be said about us? And I think that's just a great thing to reflect on. Can I tell people around me to actually follow me? Follow me in what I'm doing, what I'm watching, what I'm reading, what I'm letting into my eyes and ears, uh, what I'm doing, what actions I'm taking, how I'm treating people, how I'm loving what I'm pursuing in my life, could I really say, follow me as I follow Christ? Could I be that kind of example? See, we must model our faith. We have to walk it out. It has to be real. We all know that everybody says this, the famous thing, why don't you go to church? It's full of hypocrites, right? Well, I always tell people, there's room for another one. Um, (laughs) I mean... We got, we got our stuff. We have to model our faith. You see, the world around the church were the ones who pinned Christian onto the church. It means little Christ. And it meant that the believers back in the day in the church looked so much like Jesus in how they lived out their life and what they were doing that the world began to call them little Christians, little Christ's. You look like who you're following. You look like you believe what you say you believe. You look like something different in this world. And maybe if I could come to know something about what you know, maybe it might change my life too. See, the world's got to believe that. See, if, if the world looks at my life or your life or us and, and, and says, boy, it doesn't look like it's working for them very well, why would they be interested in our message? Why would they be interested to come in the doors here and 
check out or see or hear from somebody who has something to say. We have to model our faith. We have to walk it out. This faith journey, it begins at home. It begins on both a personal journey of, of being sold out and, and, and being uh, committed to becoming a disciple yourself, a disciplined one. Here's the interesting thing about discipline. Discipline only really counts as discipline the day that you don't want to apply it, right? You know what I mean? It's like going to the gym, right? It's like, okay, I haven't been to the gym and I've been eating cookies, so tomorrow I'm going to the gym, okay? And, and I'm pretty fairly motivated to, to get up and go to the gym tomorrow. But by about Thursday or Friday, to get up and go to the gym, really easy to say, nah, I don't really want to do it. It's the day that you say, you know what, I don't really want to do it, but I know that I need to do it, and so therefore I'm going to do it anyway. That's the day the discipline just happened in your life. That's when it really counts. That's when it's real. So we've got to be committed to being disciples ourselves. We've got to be committed to... Um, to marriages and to building strong marriages both as a church and, and as a church body, of supporting that, of knowing and recognizing despite, and again, this isn't about throwing rocks. Please don't hear that. I have my own shortcomings in that area. You know this. But it's still the best. We have to still recognize it as being the best. doesn't matter if I failed at it or if you failed at it. It's still God's plan. So we want to support that, and we want to see that happen, and we want to, be, want to have it be strong. We want to see our young people growing up in, in intact homes and being discipled by their parents. This is the call. This is what God is calling us to, to make disciples, to change the world just one person at a time. I don't know what that looks like in your life, and I don't know what that looks like necessarily in my life, but the question is, are we open to that? Are we asking God for that? God, will you provide opportunities today for this church body? Will you provide opportunities for us to, to both engage you and come to know you better and engage someone else in the world that they might know you, that they might share the hope that's in us? Lord, we just thank you. We thank you for your goodness. We thank you that you've given us this clear calling and that you've given us instruction. We thank you, Lord, that, that you stand ready to come beside us and to walk with us, to change us, to, to shape us, to transform our minds through your word and through who you are. We thank you that you know us and that you love us and that you have plans that you set in, in motion before the foundations of the world, it tells us. Things that you want us to walk in, opportunities that only we hold in here. We recognize that each one of us here have unique relationships and unique opportunities that you're giving us, opportunities that don't belong to everybody. So, so we're asking, Lord, that we might walk in those things, that we might be conscious of those things, that we might seek you, that we might wake up each day and, and look to see what you're doing and then join you in what you're doing around us. Lord, help us that we wouldn't set the agenda, help us that we wouldn't... Uh, just move things our own way. And worse yet, Lord, help us that we wouldn't just not move, that we would just sit on the couch. Lord, we want to be effective. We want to, we want to make a difference in the world. We want to live our lives with meaning and purpose. And Lord, we know that the highest purpose is found in the things that you're calling us to, in growing close to you, living our lives for things that have eternal value and merit. We give you praise. We're grateful this day. And we honor you, Jesus. 
Amen.